There is treasure in and beyond your pain. What you seek is seeking you, beloved. To feel, transmute and alchemize pain is your power. And this power is within you right now. If you'll only give yourself permission to access it. To tune in to the truth of who you are. To allow the healing of your soul. Self-healer. Rise. Hi beloveds and welcome back to Beautifully Empowered. I hope you are well. I'm going to be doing something a little bit different today. I don't think I've done anything like this on the podcast before. Something similar in terms of decoding movies and stuff like that. But the past few weeks I've been listening to Whitney Houston's The Greatest Love of All. And I have just absolutely just had such a revelation of what this song is truly about. I remember when I was... um, younger back in the day when I was you know I I viewed the world from a Christian perspective and I used to listen to this song a lot to train my voice in terms of my um dynamic you know in terms of the diaphragmic support and stuff like that I used to use this song to kind of project um my voice a lot and anyway I remember listening to this song and thinking I don't understand what this song's song means what does she mean the greatest love of all is found within yourself like I used to think to myself that was such a, I used to think that is such a a vain thing to say. I think I just didn't understand it from, you know, coming from a perspective of giving my power away and externalizing like, you know, externalizing my consciousness and projecting my um, consciousness onto a deity, I suppose. So I'm just going to read the lyrics and then I'm just going to go into the song because it is just such a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful 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 song and I want this song to strengthen you today and after this podcast go and listen to this song and really decode it because it is I mean does it really need decoding but I'm going to talk about it today anyway I believe the children are our future teach them well and let them lead the way show them all the beauty they possess inside and give them a sense of pride to make it easier let the children's laughter remind us how we used to be everybody's searching for a hero People need someone to look up to. I never found anyone who fulfilled my needs. A lonely place to be, and so I learned to depend on me. I decided long ago never to walk in anyone's shadows. If I fail, if I succeed, at least I'll live as I believe. And no matter what they take from me, they can't take away my dignity. Because the greatest love of all is happening to me. I found the greatest love of all inside of me. The greatest love of all is easy to achieve. Learning to love yourself is the greatest love of all. And then it repeats itself. And the last part of the song is, and if by chance that special place that you've been dreaming of leads you to a lonely place, find your strength in love. Now, lyrically, as a lyricist myself, these are very, very basic, simple lyrics. But when you really, when when you're on this, um, I keep saying I don't like using the word path, but when when you are, um, self-realizing and when you are healing you see how potent this song actually is and how incredibly important it is for a piece of music like this to be listened to and for um, humanity uh, humanity to actually um, gain some insight into um, evolution and healing because 
most of the music that we are, most of the music that, that's been played to us on the mainstream is really dumbing down the masses. And so you always get a gem of a piece of music like this every now and again. That obviously this is quite an old piece. I'm sure this came out when I was like a few years old or maybe a few years before I was born. But you get a piece of music like this and you're just like, wow, yeah, this is a song that can really help to heal humanity and, and to really point humanity to in to themselves really and so without further ado i'm just going to get into this podcast and yeah please do go listen to this song afterwards because it's just really beautiful and so empowering children definitely are our future um that's something that people say a lot and it can kind of get easily kind of glossed over as oh that's just a nice thing to say but it really is true because they are the next generation um so what we do or what we don't do impacts our children therefore impacting humanity and children are always our future and it's why we definitely should raise them consciously rooted in love. And I guess um, the only way really to do that is to actually understand ourselves and to be conscious beings ourselves, obviously. Um, teach them well and let them lead the way. When we teach our children consciously, we then let them lead and love always allows beings to be free. Show them the beauty they possess inside. So they are the master of this beauty within because it's innate to children. Like even though we teach them about the truth of who they are, what this existence is really about, we truly only show children the beauty that already exists within. So showing children to themselves, it's like holding a mirror up to children so that they can see themselves in their innocence and in their purity and in their essence. And children, they do need to be seen in order for them to see themselves and it's it's one as children that we endure narcissistic abuse or abuse of any kind that children no longer see themselves and that's where the cycle of trauma comes in that's where um you know self-abandonment comes in and we don't um see the beauty within ourselves because we've, we've gone through a cycle of forgetfulness so children truly are our future and when we bring them into this world, we have such a huge responsibility to guide this eternal soul. And it definitely shouldn't be taken lightly. I'm saying that from a perspective of somebody that doesn't have children. My perspective is still valid. <laughs> um, give them a sense of pride to make it easier and let the children's laughter remind us how we used to be. When I was looking at the etym etymological wo uh, root word of pride, it goes back to Old English or Middle English meaning haughtiness. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Also, it also meant indulge in self-esteem. However, when I was listening to this piece of music, that's the perception I had of the song years ago through, a, you know, through perceiving the song through, I guess, a Christian perspective of being like, oh, well, what do you mean the greatest love is, the greatest love of all is found within you? Of course it's not, it's found in God, right? But However, I truly feel that this song is about pride, um, not at that level. In Middle English, um, pride was sometimes also used as a positive word, like proper pride, um, personal honour. And when we allow children to be as they truly are, we actually make it easier for them to take pride or self-honour in who they are. When the world is teaching children to abandon themselves every single day, to abandon their uniqueness if we show children who they truly are they will see the fake from what's real and again children are our future they will move toward that which complements them as opposed to that which teaches them to self-abandon so i i can definitely see how a child's laughter reminds us of us as children of course 
and looking back into inner child work it's really easy to see that isn't it so we as adults we've, we've been taught to self-abandon in so many ways and I've spoken about that so many times um, on this podcast and as society teaches us to be only in our minds and to be disconnected from our hearts we're, we're then easily manipulated and controlled and it's also our inner child that also suffers because our inner child lives in our hearts so when we connect to our hearts we actually connect to our inner child and it really is so important to actually understand that when we merge the heart and the mind or shall I say surrender the mind to the heart so that the, the mind can actually be in service to the heart we actually make space for our inner child to be seen so children actually do teach us about ourselves and I truly feel that when they come into this world they're like a little royal exchange from the divine it's like yeah we teach them but and it is a but they as children actually teach us so they actually remind us of what's important you know our innate innocence as light beings our purity our essence and they remind us how to stay connected to our inner child and to stay connected to our hearts through imaginative play which expands our potential to stay innocent and pure in our minds and our hearts and that is so so important especially now when we're living in a, in a time where fear is just rampant and it's really difficult for people to to feel happy again because they're just overtaken by fear so to laugh is to be in the present moment with self and to be a st in a state of ease and happiness and children are happy for the most part children are happy and like I was thinking about this this week that my nieces and nephews teach me so much about my inner child and rather it's easier to stay at the heart level around children and I guess you know and my niece and nephew they're so incredibly full of love and especially when they when children are under seven um because they're below consciousness and the ego hasn't actually kicked in yet um children are just and they still are after that age of course like these magical beings and they're so connected to the divine and when it comes to my nieces and nephews I always try to truly help them to stay connected to to themselves through creation and and, and what it is that they enjoy and staying heart-centered um again especially coming back to their natural creative gifts everybody's searching for a hero and I guess this really did stand out to me because I guess I've been learning a lot about the hero's journey and Daniel spoke about this in our podcast alchemy science of the soul which I'll put in the description down below and I just want to spend some time just looking at the hero's journey again here because I think it's just an incredible part of psychological healing and I guess in order for us to really grasp that the greatest love is within us we would have to do some sort of healing in order to actually see that so that the veils are removed from our eyes so that we can see clearly what love is and and what this experience of love truly is about so according to Joseph Campbell um, the hero's journey is a 12-step journey of transformation and in this 12-step journey, it shows us that we're capable of overcoming our inner and outer challenges and obstacles. The 12-step journey, or the 12-step hero's journey, is a model for both plot points and stories and character development. And you'll see that a lot in a lot of movies. I've noticed it um, quite a lot with a lot of the movies that I, that I watch and the experience and inner and outer transformation at each stage in their journey. So... Again, this has been spoken about in the podcast Alchemy Science of the Soul, but I'm specifically um, addressing this here for the purpose of the song that I'm decoding. So hopefully you'll enjoy listening to, to this. Uh, 
hopefully you'll enjoy listening to this again slightly different of course so the first step is the ordinary world so this is like where we meet the main character in their mundane ordinary world so I'll give you an example it's the mundane world that Spider-Man aka Peter Parker is introduced to us as a kind of like regular nerdy teen um the second step is call to adventure and this is the hero coming out of their comfort zone so being confronted with the issues and the problems they've been ignoring so an example is in the never-ending story it's Sebastian going on the adventure through the never-ending story book step three of the hero's journey is the refusal of the call so the hero might refuse the call to action. So, for example, in Star Wars, like when Luke Skywalker at, refu- at first actually refuses to join Obi-Wan when they're on the journey to rescue Princess Leia, it actually takes him understanding that his aunt and uncle have been killed by the stormtroopers for him to actually agree on going on this mission. And I will get into why I'm addressing the hero's journey again um, and how I really believe that it it ultimately is really important in the evolution in humanity's evolution step 4 of the of the hero's journey is meeting the mentor so this is where the hero acquires a personal trainer so the hero decides to go on a journey that they don't really know what they're doing nor do they have the confidence that they'll make it through so the mentor is someone that will like help the hero provide them with practical training and wisdom self-confidence so in the matrix neo meets morpheus and morpheus um offers neo the red pill or the blue pill um and morpheus actually helps neo to escape the matrix step five of the hero's journey is crossing the first threshold so this is where the hero enters the other world and the hero is ready to take on the journey and and it it's kind of like after the departure stage and then when the adventure really starts and you can kind of tell like in movies I mean I'm so used to noticing this in films now it's like where you you know you have the beginning of the film and it's sort of like the first 15 minutes of the film and then it's like oh the film's actually starting now and the cinema goes really quiet do you know what I mean it's kind of like that so this would be like in Alice in Wonderland when Alice enters Wonderland and it can be like a daunting and dangerous experience because the hero is actually entering a world that they do not know you know it's kind of going from the ordinary world to the special world um and there's basically no turning back at this point step six of the hero's journey is the test allies and enemies so this is where the heroes explore the other special word world so obviously in step in step five that's when they enter the special world this is when they're actually exploring it and they actually begin to face obstacles um and make friends and enemies on the on the journey so in Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, this is the part where Harry actually gets acquainted with the wizarding world and then he becomes friends with Hermione and Ron and enemies with Draco Malfoy, of course. Step seven is the approach to the inmost cave. So this is where the hero makes closer, uh, moves closer to the journey of the story and the other world. This is often like where the elixir or the object uh, which is vital to the mission is actually hidden and the in in the inmost cave it's kind of like the heart and this is where the hero uses every lesson learned to survive this is where the hero is actually entering a territory that on the edge that's kind of like on the edge of life and death so pan's labyrinth one of my favorite films which i have to decode that <laughs> um ophelia is guided not to eat or drink 
anything at the table. And I don't know if you guys have seen this film, but it's amazing. But um, And they're basically the fairy's guider. Ophelia was tempted by delicious-looking grapes, of course. And the fairies actually like warn her several times, two or three times, if I can remember. But she does actually give in to temptation. And the pale man that sat at like the head of the table, he then awakens and he kind of puts these... He has like a... Uh, it's like a a plate of like two eyeballs and he picks the eyeballs up and I just assumed he was going to put the eyeballs in his actual eye sockets but he doesn't I don't don't know if he has any he puts them in in his hand and then puts his hands up to his eyes so that he can see up to his head so that he can see and Ophelia is actually Ophelia is actually warned by the fairies like again like I said like several times um but she just didn't listen to the warning and because of that the the pale man basically ate two of her guide, guardian fairies and then tries to destroy her and the fawn um finds out that ophelia ate uh the food um not only that but two of his fairies because the fairies belong to him and they were eaten by the pale man and basically um he ends her tests and tells her that she's lost a chance of becoming a princess. Um, and she was, uh, because she's obviously wanting to be reunited with her immortal family. So, um, so step eight of the hero's journey is this, the supreme ordeal, which is often, oftentimes a dangerous physical test or some sort of like internal crisis that the hero must go through in order to survive or for the world in which the hero now lives in um, to continue to survive so the hero may face some sort of deep fear or be confronted by a deadly foe or in this moment the hero must draw strength from all that they've learned on the path in the inmost cave in order to actually overcome the challenge here and the hero is supposed to go through some sort of death um in order for not obviously not physical death in order to, for the hero to be reborn and experiencing some sort of like metaphysical resurrection, which then gives the hero great insight to fulfill her destiny. And this is the integral part of the hero's journey, really, where if she fails, like she'll either die, uh, which could be a physical death, um, and life, as she's come to know it, will no longer exist. So I'll give you an example of that in The Lion King. This is where Simba comes to the, has to come to the terms with his guilt over his father's death because he truly believes it's his own fault and take back Pride Rock, which is his right. And in order to take back Pride Rock, he has to also face Scar, who has taken over Pride Rock. Step nine of the hero's journey is reward or seizing the sword. So after defeating the enemy or the deadly foe over, um, or overcoming beyond the, being on the, the verge of death or overcoming a great personal challenge the heroes then internally transformed into a new state of being and the battle that's made him stronger um it does come with a great prize and often the hero receives like an object of their quest so the prize can be anything from power a secret it could be love could be great knowledge or insight uh reconciliation like whatever it is the hero then takes back into the ordinary world and then prepares for the last bit of the journey. And I was thinking about um, another film to give an example and I thought, oh, 
obviously let's do Wizard of Oz. So um, in the Wizard of Oz, Dorothy escapes from the Wicked Witch's castle with the broomstick and the ruby slippers, which are the keys to getting back home. And then Dorothy is rewarded with knowledge. And then she expects the wizard to help her home, but he doesn't because obviously he can't because it's revealed to him it's revealed to Dorothy when Toto like drags the curtain that the wizard is just an old man manipulating and controlling a device that basically creates the illusion of the wizard wizard's power which is no power at all and Dorothy's true reward is the knowledge that she had the power within herself to go home at any time um Dorothy asks the white witch can you help me and the white witch replies you don't need to be helped any longer you always had the power to go back to Kansas. And she replies, I have. And the scarecrow asks, then why didn't you just tell her before? And the white witch says, because she wouldn't have believed me. She had to learn it for herself. And then the tin, asks, the tin man turns to Dorothy and asks, what have you learned, Dorothy? And she says, well, I think that it wasn't enough to just see Uncle Henry and Auntie M. And it's that if I ever go look, looking for my heart's desire again, I won't look any further than my own backyard. Because if it isn't there... I never would really lost it to begin with. Ah, oh, beautiful. <laughs> Step 10 of the hero's journey is the road back. So this is where the hero returns to the ordinary world. So the trials aren't over exactly yet. Um, and they're often faced with more challenges or more trials. So the hero assumes that the journey is over, but it's not just yet. And now that the hero has the reward, whatever that may be, um, the hero then tries to return to the ordinary world, but the dangers from the inmost cave, um, what they've experienced previously, um, come back. So, for example, in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, this is where Gollum confronts Frodo at the ledge of the volcano and tries to get the ring back from Frodo. So all the obstacles basically for the hero must be faced before she can return home. And there are many, many tests in this hero's journey, and that's why we have this these many, many tests in life, you know, to see how far, to see if we will evolve, to see if we can move forward and progress. So step 11 of the hero's journey is resurrection. And this is where the hero goes through the very last test. Um, and this is the, like the climax of the story or our experience, because I do believe that we definitely will go through many hero's journeys in our lives. So um, everything prior to this has been like a crowning test for the hero so the dark or the enemy gets to like to get one more chance to destroy the light or the hero so the hero gets tested one more time to see if they truly learn the lessons of the ordeal which is that dangerous physical test or internal crisis which you spoke about before and then the final battle for the hero to go through is basically one more resurrection and I had to mention Pan's Labyrinth again because I just love this film so much. Uh, this is when Ophelia appears with a brother in the labyrinth and then she learns that the fawn wants to kill her brother and she refuses to let his blood be spilt. And she was unaware that that was actually a test for her and obviously she passes the test. Um, her stepfather does take a brother and then eventually does actually kill Ophelia. Spoiler alert if you've not seen the film. Um, so yeah, he destroys her body, but he cannot actually take a soul. And the fawn praises Ophelia for her choice. And then she's re reunited with her mother, which this obviously is probably like the spiritual realm, or maybe it was a dream. I've not fully decoded this film yet. Um, and her mother's the queen of the underworld. And her mother invites her to sit next to her father and rule beside him. So she does become the princess after all. 
So the last step of the hero's journey is return with elixir. And this is where the hero brings with them the object of their quest. So whether that be great knowledge, insight, power, love, um, a treasure, um, and then they basically better the ordinary world in some way by bringing that with them. And in the Matrix, Neo's object um, of the quest is the knowledge of the truth. And he basically tells the Matrix that he will save humanity. So the first three steps of the hero's journey, you know, there's the preparation, becoming one's authentic self and claiming the, the elixir. It basically helps us to confront our shadows. And when we obtain this great treasure, which is often new challenges arrive, we can then follow the path of transformation to a higher stage of human development and integrate the knowledge and hidden unknown depths of ourself. The hero's journey is like a great way to see um, into psychological healing. Um, and it's, it's interesting, like what, what Daniel Paul said in our podcast, Alchemy, the Science of the Soul. It's basically the main character is basically you and you're basically going through this hero's journey the hero's journey is basically being shown to you. Um, it's really beautiful. Um, and we're our own hero. Uh, we show others how to become our own hero by just living as one. You know, it's it's a journey that we all must go through and we, we go through it many times. And we don't always progress onto the next step if we pull back or if we revert into our old ways. And that's why we have these many tests. So I haven't finished with the song yet. I thought that the hero reference there was a very important one, but let's continue. So people need someone to look up to. So when we realize the hero within, people will realize theirs. And we are a part of a unified consciousness. So it's like we are the wave within the ocean. So just as the wave isn't separate from the ocean, but a part of the whole ocean, so are we as humans. So we actually do affect one another and this is the power of self-realization. So people are only really looking up, they're, they're only looking for somebody to look up to because we haven't, as a collective consciousness, we haven't gone within ourselves and realized that power. I never found anyone to fulfill my needs, a lonely place to be, and so I learned to depend on me. And we've been conditioned, we all know this, by Hollywood, religion, society, to look outside of ourselves to find love. But no one can fulfill our needs, though. Like, it's a, it is a lonely place. And expecting another to fill you up when you are to fill your own cup up of love, it's only when we realise that how empty this cup of, quote-unquote, love found in another actually is, jumping from relationship to relationship that we, you know, we learn to depend on ourselves, to go within, to do the inner work of self-realization and healing and to find the truth amongst the lie that love is found within, not outside ourselves. The greatest lie of love is to separate us from ourselves. And that's not at all to say that being in a relationship or feeling like somebody loves you is a bad thing or that that's going to take you from yourself. Because I've said this several times that love is complementary, isn't it? If you love yourself and somebody else loves themselves, when you come together, it's like an explosion of love. And that's what we are. We are love. And that's to be experienced with one another. But when our cup's not full and we're trying to get that love that is within ourselves from another, it's theft. It is literally theft from another being. So that's why it's so important to do the inner work. I decided long ago never to walk in anyone's shadows. And our soul knows the truth. 
our higher selves know the truth like we know deep down that love is within us beloveds we do and that's the truth of it isn't it that we are love like we truly we're, we're truly looking for love we're looking for ourselves in others because we are disconnected from our essence and our higher selves knows our higher self knows that and it's like to walk in someone else's shadow is to walk in darkness like never finding the light of self you know or shining the light on the dark we're blind you know not walking in our full power sovereignty or truth and again it's not that love isn't reflected it's not that it's not that love can't be seen in another or experienced with another but i think because of the hollywood programming it goes so deep and obviously there are esoteric meanings behind the the programming anyway but the surface level programming that people are downloading is that love is something we should look for like are you looking for a boyfriend or are you looking for this but why not just see that you are already here and that you already love and then experience that love with somebody you know so that it, you don't develop codependency and that you don't pass on uh, codependency to your children or trauma bond to your children in because you know if we have this ideological belief system programmed into us that love is god outside of ourselves rather than god being a part of us we're already connected to god we're already connected to love we're already connected to one another what is there to go out there and look for like truly what is there to look for you know we have to face our own shadows not walk in another person's shadow you know to walk in another person's shadow of low self-esteem or jealousy or envy or abuse is to and to think that is love like you're so much more than how someone else loves you and again that's not to say that shadow somebody's shadow is necessarily a bad thing but you know ask yourself this like are they are they carrying around with them their childhood trauma do they bring that into your relationship do they expect you to fix them do they abuse you because they were abused do they need you because they don't give themselves what they're capable of giving themselves do they blame you for what they're not willing to take responsibility for do they project their shame onto you because they can't bear to go within and if none of the above is true then that's fucking amazing it's beautiful but even if you're walking in the shadow of someone else who is healing themselves and is self-aware you're still blind because walking no one's shadow beloved like walking no one's darkness but your own walking your own darkness and light it up light yourself up inside with the self-awareness that you are love read this hear this again hear this again you are love remember remember who you are like i truly feel like we are gods creating all of this on earth like whether it be our own unconsciousness or whether we're fully aware we are creators and we create we create reflections of us in our technology in our creations it's all us and god has given us herself within us mother father god is within us and he she is reflecting back to us the love to be found within if i fail if i succeed at least i'll live as i believe 
We are the masters of our lives. <laughs> We're the master builders of our lives, of our creations. And if we fail and if we succeed, then at least we'll keep on living according to our visions. And failure is needed for success. There is strength in both failure and success. The strength to keep going when we fail, which leads to success. And the strength to sustain the success that's attained. The the esoteric principle is that we are love. And that everyone has love within them, even if they've forgotten or they've completely aligned themselves with the darker aspects of themselves. And love is just who we are. Trauma changes us. Trauma makes us forget. But to fail is to live. To succeed is to live. Nothing is lost when we fail. We don't become less of who we are just because we fail. (laughs) Or when we succeed, we don't become more of who we are. We are love and we're experiencing this reality. We're loving the failure and we're loving the success. It doesn't define us. No matter what they take from me, they can't take away my dignity. People can try to take from you, but they can't really take your dignity when you know who you are. Like, you are love. Like, dignity is worth. How can someone truly take away your innate worth? Like, do you know who you are? Do you really know? And if you know you are love, and I didn't say if you, I didn't say if you know you can love, I said if you know you are love, then your worth is priceless. No one can take from you the greatest source of love, and your worth shouldn't be compared to the sort, and your worth shouldn't be compared to the success of the world because the world just measures success by how much money you have, how many cars you drive, how fancy your house is, and these things will not come with you when you cross over, so they're meaningless in comparison to your true worth. Like, you are love. I mean, what is a house that we as humans have built with our own bare hands in comparison to you, the human soul? To have dignity is knowing that you don't have to search for yourself in a man. To have dignity is knowing that you don't have to search for yourself in a woman. We do that when we don't see ourselves. And I've done that. And it's not to say that material possessions or relationships are bad or that we shouldn't enjoy them, but that our worth is not to be found in things that human beings have made with their own hands. Nor should our worth be found in others, especially those not interested in knowing themselves. What is the value for the human soul? Beloved, your soul is a gift from God. And even just comparing, not that it needs comparing, but I'm just going to compare it anyway, to the animal soul. Human consciousness has a greater ability to know itself. Instinct is what largely governs animal consciousness. And that's not to say that we're better than animals. It's not a conversation that I feel is necessary to have. Animals are sentient. I mean, dolphins are incredibly intelligent and they have more complex emotions than us beloveds. Some animals feel as deeply as we feel. You know, you have reptiles such as crocodiles, etc. that don't experience emotions in the same way as humans because love is an emotion that's found only in species that form pair bonds. And crocodiles are like literally cold killers. And that's why people compare 
narcissists and people that are incapable of loving to reptiles and that's the 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 reptilian part of the brain reptiles lack the brain development for a more complex emotion such as love dolphins and whales like have an incredibly developed paralimbic lobe it has like three times more spindle neurons than humans which enables them a deeper processing of emotional information more complex than humans and other primates and i always find it funny when people this is just something i'm adding adding in here but i always find it funny when people say oh we're so much better than animals because we can talk and uh yeah we feel emotions and well it's proven that dolphins and whales have more complex emotions than humans a pig is just as intelligent as a three-year-old baby so let's just take the intelligence out let's just take the emotional aspect out really it's like you know animals are love human beings just have more free will we use logic and reason which animals don't use which means that we're able to evolve inner evolution and your worth can't be taken from you unless you give it away and even then i've come to realize that even if you give it away it can't truly be taken from you because the minute you remember who you are then you have it back because you're no longer externalizing your consciousness you're no longer giving away which is yours you're always innately love because the greatest love of all is happening to me i found the greatest love of all inside of me and when you come to understand that the greatest love of all is the love found within yes you will begin to experience love as a happening and it does feel as if you're like being bathed in love your own love like no one's quote unquote loving you like nothing's happening outside of you you just at home being like oh my god the greatest love of all is happening to me <laughs> like you're just literally experiencing you like love isn't a concept or a belief it's who you are so even if you've forgotten even if trauma has made you question love even if you no longer believe love is a thing you are love <laughs> this is who you are innately like look beyond tra- beyond the trauma and there you are and the greatest love isn't found in another human being when you see yourself for who you are then we can share this love ourselves with others and it's not I found love inside of me. It's I found the greatest love of all inside of me. We are gods who have basically forgotten who we are. Gods with amnesia, I think. <laughs> the greatest love of all is easy to achieve. You see, when we look outside of ourselves for love, we wrestle with heartbreak and we struggle to find a sense of self. We give our power away, beloveds. But looking within, it's easy to achieve because it's it, it, yes, it's still challenging. But in comparison to the many failed relationships and unhappiness, trying to find self in another, yes, it's easy to remember love was always inside of us all along. Learning to love yourself is the greatest love of all. Being able to unlearn trying to find love outside of us. Being able to unlearn giving our power away. And coming back to self by learning to love ourselves is the greatest love. When the majority of people have settled for the greatest lie... It does take learning to learn the truth of who we are. We will learn so much about the world when we learn about ourselves. And the greatest lie isn't that a man shouldn't love another man or a man shouldn't love another woman or whoever. 
the greatest lie is that we have to keep going outside of ourselves to find ourselves. We have to abandon ourselves to find love. And that's why when relationships, especially romantic relationships end, you feel as if somebody's taken your soul away or somebody's literally broken your heart or somebody's taken your heart or your world is over. And it's really only because you've identified as being one, but instead of being two complete beings, you've merged into that person without the awareness that you are love as a singular being. And if by chance that special place that you've been dreaming of leads you to a lonely place, find your strength in love. Pretty simple. Like, whatever you find yourself dreaming of, if you feel lonely in that pursuit of whatever that is, whether that be a relationship, a job, it doesn't matter what it is. Come back to yourself because this will be your strength. And there is no greater love than you realizing you are love. You are the spark of the divine. You are a light being. And when you truly experience that you are love, you don't run after relationships to try and fill a void and reenact your abusive relationship with your parents over and over again in multiple relationships to the point where there literally isn't anything left of you. You realize that in your completeness, you can share that completeness with another human being that is self-aware, another human being that knows themselves and as a human being that wants to share love full cup love not empty cup love and then when these relationships end we say oh love's love's fucked up love kills us love hurts love doesn't hurt people that don't know how to love themselves will not know how to love you either And that's why it's our greatest responsibility unto ourselves to keep reminding ourselves that this is the inner work to know thyself, to be self-realized, to be self-aware, to care about yourself, to care about the collective, because we are all one, even though a lot of people have forgotten who they are, even though some people have got one tiny bit of light within them and they're allowing their demons to run the show. It's one of the greatest things that any human being can come to see is that everything they've been looking for can be found right here, right now. Much love to you, beloveds.